Dave here, just a couple of words before diving into the next episode. I was reminded again of the importance of this project when news reached me that Johnny Fox had passed away on December 17, 2017. If you never met Johnny, you can still glean a lot about who he was through the story he contributed to episode 18, and from episode 74, in which he discussed his personal history. Nobody lives forever. I knew this when I started this project with the Butterfly Man a little over six years ago, and really, a huge part of why I started it was to capture Robert's voice and some of his stories so that people who never got the chance to meet him could benefit from some of the contributions he made to this world. I didn't realize at the time that this would also be a way to remember Dick Finkel, Nils Paul, and now Johnny Fox. We're all part of a pretty amazing tradition, and we owe an enormous amount to the people who came before us and who inspired us in some way or another. To that end, Peter Melnicek wanted his interview to be dedicated to the memory of performance artist Ian Hinchcliffe. Remember, whether you've been in the game for decades or are just getting started, every show you do and everyone you touch with your performance contributes to the ongoing legacy of street theater. All right, let's get to it. Do you kind of improvise around a frame even now? Yeah, always. Yeah. Always. I'm very envious of people who can write their shows mm-hmm. and then do them and sort of work them in that way. But I, I'm really, really not very good at that. I'll come up with a really crap idea, do it when I really have to. Like last minute, back against the wall, oh shit, I have to do a show tomorrow. Or yeah. sometimes oh, I've got to do a show in a couple of hours quite often <laughs> and um, just go oh shit I've got to get it together yeah and then take it out and have to sell it yeah and then evolve it and then work it and yeah do you write down your shows no I don't think I've got a show <laughs> written from top to bottom either it's no I do keep notebooks yeah I, I've, I've got stacks of notebooks that I write ideas down all the time mm-hmm. and going back to um it quite, it's quite, I think it was Butterfly Man, wasn't it? Yeah. He said, someone asked him, what's the difference between a, an amateur and a professional? And he said, a 99 cents notebook. <laughs> you know, yeah. and that's sort of like, oh yeah, that's quite a nice thing. That's quite a good thing. Yeah. Welcome to Stories from the Pitch, a podcast dedicated to creating a living oral history about street performing and some of the crazy characters who populate this world. I'm David Aiken, the checkerboard guy, your host for this growing collection of interviews. Inevitably, as street performers, we gather a crowd and hold that crowd with some sort of demonstration of skill. Perhaps you juggle chainsaws, maybe you make things disappear, or possibly you do things with hula hoops the likes the world has never seen before. In each case, the audience can usually put their finger on exactly what the skill is that is being performed. Quite often, these sorts of skill-based performers have great shows and a great script that helps hold their show together, because the skill itself requires such concentration that straying from the routine could be potentially hazardous. But then there's the clown, the sort of performer who uses a skill merely as an excuse for being on stage so that they can improvise with the audience and let the comedy gods deliver the completely unexpected, unplanned, and entirely unique experiences that will only ever happen once. This sort of completely unpredictable performance is not for the faint of heart, but for those brave enough to leap having the faith that the net will appear, the rewards can be infinite. 
Shay Hooray sat down with Pete Melnicek during the Dubai Marina Mall Street Performers Festival to discuss the art and nature of clown and to talk about Pete's work as both a solo artist and as a part of the legendary duo Hoople in a conversation full of laughter and some pretty amazing stories from the pitch. So it's uh, Shay Hooray here on my first ever interview for the Buskers Hall of Fame. And um, I'm very lucky to be sitting bedside um, <laughs> with uh, yeah. with a very uh, good friend of mine, and I think he's a well, he's right in front of me, so it's kind of weird to say this, but a very funny man, Pete. Uh, tell me if I'm saying it right, Pete. Mielnicek. Yeah, Pete, Pete's right, yeah. Pete's right. Uh, Mielnicek. Perfect. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. You can, I mean, like, you can say it two ways. You can say uh, Mielnicek, like you just did. Or you can actually say Mielnicek. Mielnicek. Yeah. I mean, I, sometimes I say it both ways. It's like yeah. a, a rhythm thing. It's Mielnicek, 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 or Mielnicek, which is a bit more waltzy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's like yeah. a blue Danube. Mielnicek, 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 Yes, it does. And also, funnily enough, in French as well. Oh, does it? Yeah, miel. Yeah, miel. But you're not French? No, no. Or Spanish? No, no. No, Mielnicek comes from my father. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. And where was his heritage from? Oh, yeah, that's right. He was from, um, he was from Poland. Yes. Right. Yeah. Have you been to Poland? A couple of times. Yeah. A couple of times. I went as a kid. Yeah. When I was about ten. And it was wild. Like the whole journey. And then I've been back since just on my own, just little trips. Yeah. Just to explore. But I want to go back more and um, explore the whole country. Yeah. But you, you're English essentially. Yeah. Born and bred in South London. South London. Great. <laughs> so, I, I, so, so South London is yeah. uh, mm. what's the what what? Because yeah. my geography of London is kind of a tube map that's got messed up. So I was born in Brixton. Mm. So you know it's like that really. Um, Jerk chicken. I beg your pardon. <laughs> Oh, you mean, yeah, Brixton Jerk Chicken, yeah. yeah. Sorry, I thought you were being offensive. Yeah. The, um, yeah. <laughs> I was, um, yeah, I brought up on Jerk Chicken, and um, I had a really nice, actually had a nice atmosphere when I was growing up in the, the 70s and 80s. Yeah. But now it's like London's got gentrified and Brixton's got gentrified. Right. So there's no, I feel uncomfortable and out of place, because I'm not very gentrified. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's nice. I'm a bit sick of London at the moment. Yeah, right. So I'm going to relocate. You're talking about coming to New Zealand? Oh, I'd love to come to New Zealand. Mm. I remember you stayed with me once post-World Buskers Festival. 
Yeah, that, our little pad on London, funny enough, London, London Street. Street. Yeah. yeah. Sure. First, first Eric Amber came and he became the um, mayor of uh, London Street after everyone on the street kind of knew his name. Eric became mayor of Richmond, the area. Oh, yeah. did he? Yeah. Was this? Was he? Was it voted or was he like self-proclaimed? Uh, self-proclaimed. Oh, Eric okay. Amber. Yeah. So yeah, I figured the. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So he got one vote basically. He got yeah, and it was. His. Well, he managed that. That's, you know, yeah. that's, he deserves it for that, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. yeah, if you put in the yards. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm just trying to think of the, the first time I ever met you. Well, I was quite young in those days. It was at the World Busters Festival. Oh, I remember the first time I saw you on stage. I think it was your first time on stage anyway. <laughs> and it was one of the funniest things that I saw and it was brilliant what was it well we were all the performers were there and there was a spare the main stage was outside the Ducks Deluxe then and um, we were all the sort of we weren't too snobby but all the street performers there waiting for this 15 minute slot that they had put aside at the beginning of the um, the evening variety show the big the big evening show the Busker Comedy Club yeah it's called that now yeah, yeah. and uh, they had a 15 minute spot and they went oh god we've got some students from the circus school or something coming round to do a little bit and we went oh right okay well let's be let's be charitable and you know <laughs> and then if I remember correctly you came on dressed as an old woman yeah and I think Eric funnily enough was comparing Eric and Derek yeah. Eric and Derek and they were being very polite, not not quite patronising, but like, oh, he is a turn, you know, come on, yeah. be nice to them, sort of thing. Yeah. And, um, and then Eric would have been uncharacteristically polite. And it said, was Derek, actually. Oh, was it Derek? Uh, wait, you mean, oh, you I, tell me, because I, I can't remember. It I was well. in a wheelchair, yeah? Yeah, that's yeah. right. And I got him to wheel me out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And he said... <laughs> And then, but I got, I got it, and then I said no, back, and then I said oi, oi, back a bit. And yeah, that's then right. About three or four times, and then I can't actually remember. And then, and then he said something like, um, he was sort of playing, playing along a bit, being all servile. I went, oh, is that right? Is that right? And then you just turned around to him, and we were going, oh, this is nice, playing a nice little old lady character. And then he, he said, is that the right place? Are you, are you happy there now? And you said something like, yeah. Yeah, you can fuck off now. <laughs> and it was just brilliant. And it fucking brought the whole place down. And he was really shocked because he wasn't expecting that. And it was funny. That's, that same night was the first time I met Lucky Diamond Rich. And I was in character backstage the whole time, as I like to do. And, yeah. um, and then Lucky Diamond Rich came up fully tattooed. And I was like... This is Lucky Dom and Rich. And I dropped out of character straight away and went, Hi, my name's Shay. <laughs> fucking, why did you do that? <laughs> Should have said, Oh, mm, you've fallen over in the crayon bin. <laughs> Lucky Dom and Rich is listening to this. Yeah. But that was back in the days of, well, my favourite ever show. Of uh, watching you with Chris 
and uh, Hootal. Oh, yeah. Far out. I loved your guys' show. Well, you know, you're talking about New Zealand. That was actually Hootal's spiritual home. We started in London, and I think we first played at a festival in Holland called the Uruguay Festival, where we first sort of, like, just cobbled together a show and... Mm. But when we really got going was actually in New Zealand, and that's where we wrote our theatre shows. We did um, one, two, three. We did four theatre shows, and we wrote them all, I think, in Christchurch. Yeah, right. And so very much our spiritual home. I love Christchurch. <laughs> I love New Zealand, but particularly Christchurch. It's got a lot of my heart is in Christchurch. I have so many brilliant memories. And yeah, Hoople was... A, yeah. So, well, four shows there was Up Hoople Creek. That was the last one we did, yeah. yeah. <laughs> because Dot and Evelyn, that old lady was Dot. Oh, yeah. And Evelyn was the other one. And we were following you at, what was it, number five Cable Street or something like that? Oh, we yeah. We had the same dressing room and we got there after you guys and opened the door and it was just this mountain of cardboard things that oh, yeah. weren't incredibly obvious at the start until you guys put them on stage and yeah, yeah. the whole set was... Yeah, well, you could have walked into any of our shows, just moved, and it probably would have been similar. Because <laughs> I think we used quite... We were quite cardboard-based for our props, for all our theatre shows. There was... Um, yeah, what was it? There was A Quiet Night In was the first one. Um... A very different night with Hoople was the second one, and Pure Hoople was the third one, and they all involved a lot of cardboard. <laughs> yeah, not but, the same. Like we had yeah. different sets. Yeah, but we always used. But the material. Yeah, the material that you chose to yeah. use. Not was, the theatrical material. Yeah, the the physical. Yeah, the building material. Yeah, we understand what we. Yeah, yeah. We, we've got. Yeah. No, Which one was the one with the with the wheel? The mesmerizer. That was. <laughs> we actually used that reprised in the second show. We used it in the first one. Yeah. And then it really, uh, we got a lot more mileage of it. We brought it back into the second one, and it it, it, it was uh, much more. We used it much more effectively. Is that the right word? Uh, we milked it a lot more <laughs> in the second one. Yeah. No, great days. Hey, great days. Yeah, indeed. Did you start off as a street performer? Uh, no. No. I, um... Yeah, that's a weird question. I kind of... People ask me a lot. I, uh... I, le- I sort of flunked out of school mm. when I was about 16, and I went a bit weird, and I ended up... St- spending about two years trying to retake my exams and it was pathetic and it wasn't what I wanted to do and then I joined this amateur theatre group in London and did some weird stuff with them actually it was a youth theatre that's right when I was about 17 I joined group 64 youth theatre I went along there first of all this is going to be really long and boring I hope you're going to edit this yeah. I'll just tell you the whole thing you can cut out any of the good bits yeah cut out <laughs> any of the good bits 
And, um, <laughs> right, so I was 17, yeah. and there was this youth theatre in Putney called Group 64, and uh, a couple of mates of mine said, oh, come along to this theatre, if we go on the last... Kind of improv sort of stuff? Or no, 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 straight theatre. Yeah. Um, they were doing... What was the first show? The first show, it was called Zigazagger. It was about a football team and stuff like that, football supporters. And they said, we'll go along to the last night of the run and they have a big party afterwards. Huh. And uh, there's loads of girls there in the cast and loads of booze. And we were great. You were 17. Yeah. Girls and booze. Yeah. Just, right, that's it. That's all you want. <laughs> and, um, so we went along and we gatecrashed all their productions, all the last parties. Yeah. We'd sort of hang around, go to see the last show, and then just hang around and wait to sort of schmooze in. For the bows to come out. For the booze and yeah. the, the girls to come out. Yeah. <laughs> and the ladies. And then after the second time we gatecrashed their party, one of the directors sort of came up and went, Hi guys, yeah, I've, I've seen you guys around, you know. Have you ever thought of getting involved? <laughs> 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 and we kind of... So we didn't say fuck off, but we kind of said, no, we're just gatecrashing for the booze and the girls, really. <laughs> yeah, not interested. And uh, we said, well, why don't, you just, why don't you get involved, you know? You know, then you can come to the parties in, for real. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe get more chicks. Maybe, you know, just... You know. And yeah. So you're dead. So I ended up getting roped into their next production, which is the Alan Bleasdale play. And do you remember the role? Yeah, I was one of the snotty kids who came on that one line and hung around for the rest of the show. Yeah. And then all my mates kind of went, this is boring. But I was kind of quite into it. Yeah. So they all fucked off. And then I carried on for the next production, which was a pantomime, Christmas pantomime. Yeah. And they gave me just a little walk-on role of um, uh, the guard the, of the palace. This sounds like potentially a comedy. Well, or yeah. it turned into your <laughs> antennae are correct. Yeah. You, your spider senses are tingling. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, I, um, I had this dressed up as a sort of medieval-type guard with moustache drawn on with eyeliner. Yeah. And... Um, I had to just come out, stand to attention with my spear, yeah. and then wait for a bit, and then hear a noise and go, halt, who goes there? And then the fairy would come on stage left. And I was there just to, you know, front the curtain so they could change the scenery. So I didn't have, really have any line except for halt, who goes there? Yeah. And then one night, I was having a piss, I think, and I was in the green room going, la, 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 la. And I went, where is he, where is he, where is he? And I had this noise, what, 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 what? <laughs> there he is. And I go, hello? <laughs> Someone, <laughs> Someone calling me. I went, you're on, you're on, you're on. They're waiting, they're waiting. Oh, you should perfect. be on. And I dropped everything and grabbed my spear. I luckily remembered to do that. And then it's a typical clown thing, really, yeah. but for real. And I ran out front tab, into the lights, looked at the audience. Yeah. And I was obviously completely, my face was showing panic. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Whatever. 
And then I thought, what can I do? Because the audience had obviously been waiting there a long time. Yeah. With this uncomfortable pause and empty stage. Yeah, yeah. So when I came on... I, <laughs> and I felt, miles an hour. I felt this. I felt this sort of vacuum on the stage. Yeah. Which I now feel much... And I, there's something about coming on like that in a rush, and I just went, oh, God, I better make some excuse, because I felt rude that keeping them waiting yeah so I did the old doing up my flies gag <laughs> and that got a bit of a laugh and yeah. I went oh this is interesting might have some more I might have some more so I, I went no keep back to script so I went and I went stood to attention put my spear up like that very profound yeah and then stared straight ahead and I got another laugh <laughs> and a few people in the front row and then and I looked at them uh, laughing I went oh they're laughing and I started to smile a little bit <laughs> and I was supposed to be like this very serious guard and when I, once I started smiling more people the fourth and fifth row started to laugh and then they start, they were corpsing me Yeah. so the more they laughed the more I was smiling as my face broke they were laughing more and more Yeah. and then I got I was trying not to smile the more I tried not to smile they were getting into it it became this game and um, by the end of it it went up all the roads and the whole it sounds like a real arrogant shit thing to say but no, that's true and then by the end of it the whole audience were laughing at me corpsing yeah 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 and all I was doing was standing there with this spear on stage so anyway that happened and then I went oh Hawk go go there fairy comes up I went at the end of the run we were having the party yeah. and this old dear I think her name was Liz a real old actress type thing yeah. and she went darling darling come here let me have a word with you I'm like yeah it was terrible I got on late I missed my cue and stuff like that and she went no 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 darling You're, now you might not like me saying this but I'm going to tell you this and don't take offence yeah. like you're a clown Great. and I went what and I was 17 you know yeah. beer and girls but you're calling me a clown or saying yeah 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 and I really didn't get it. Yeah. And then about three years later, yeah. the penny dropped and I knew what she was talking about. But I had a, no clue at the time. Because that whole corpse thing, mm. that's something that you're really good at, yeah? Like you, in Hoople, you used to oh, play yeah. the corpse. Uh, well, I'm, ter- I'm terrible. I'm a terrible corpser. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, it's like I did a workshop with a guy called Philip Gullier oh yeah cool. at the end of that I asked him because I used to ruin all the exercises by corpsing yeah. I couldn't keep a straight face it was terrible how did Philippe oh he took, kept telling me to fuck off yeah, yeah. stage get off you, you're ruining <laughs> it get off and I kept going no give me another chance Yeah. and then I'd just get a newspaper and stick it in front of my face <laughs> but then it would start shaking yeah. me laughing and I couldn't hide it and I went up to him afterwards and I said listen is there any little technique, little trick you can tell me? Because I feel really bad. I ruined all the exercises by laughing and I just can't stop. Is there a little trick, you know, like pinching yourself? Is there <laughs> anything I can do to stop myself from laughing? Oh, what did he and say? He, he just turned and looked at me and went, don't use it. Yeah. And I kind of went, that's genius. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Oh, I can. I can... Cause no, then, so uh, it's not put on though. It's not. Every, no, I, uh, I don't. No, but you can't put on a corpse. The minute, no, it looks the minute someone puts on a corpse, oh, it doesn't work at all. It's disgusting. Yeah. It's horrible. Yeah. So, but I genuinely can't stop 
is like, yeah, like when we work together. Yeah. I go, okay, we'll be really good mind character thing like this. And I just, all go, all go. <laughs> just yeah. start laughing. Oh man! But yeah, use it. So. We uh, we're, we're in Dubai at the moment and uh, doing a um, ten days of shows on the Dubai Marina for the heavily educated comedy audience. Um, mm. No, we're kind of schooling up the Dubai people. Yeah. And we decided the other day to do a show together because we had back-to-back spots. We did two shows, AP. Yeah. And uh, yeah. there was some real magic that just sort of happened. Like, that's the funny thing of the clown one on the day because we were both actually sort of trying to do it right. Yeah, exactly. And, for example, Pete... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Pete... Feet at high speed oh, after God. he does a trick where he uh, where he kicks the it's a bit of a signature trick isn't it the dustpan yeah 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 you could Kick. call you could call it that yeah crap is another description <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's very like, kind of you I love it I it's cute and and he catches oh, it's cute now it's cute and very clever yeah. <laughs> amazingly clever. <laughs> and um, and uh, actually, because it was interesting, because you were quite protective of that trick. So I was like, "Should I kick it and you catch it?" And 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 you weaselled around everywhere. No, oh, no, you break my, you break my, you break my pan, you break my pan. Yeah, not Doc Martens. <laughs> but uh, I thought I got away with that. <laughs> so he catches the brush in his pocket. And then the idea is to go around and save the plates from yeah. impending doom. Oh, yes. Yeah. And Pete just walked straight <laughs> into, into his plate spinning rig. Well, they were right behind me. <laughs> <laughs> I'd forgotten I'd set them there. Oh, but that's essentially the clown, though. Yeah. You love the clown, eh? The, I mean, well, yeah. I mean, I. Well, no, you're just talking about how I started this time. I mean, I did initially want to be a mime. Yeah. Because I thought, like, this is before I'd even really had any clue about the business and stuff, any reality of it. And I still liked it working silent. But anyway, I wanted to be a, a mime and a, like a, an actor as well. Yeah. And then I just realised that every time I tried to do straight roles and stuff, I'd either corpse mm-hmm. or forget my lines <laughs> and like there's what's left for an actor who can't remember his lines and corpses <laughs> you just become a clown <laughs> you've got to get out of it somehow you've got to get out of it somehow yeah so I guess yeah. there's kind of no choice I, I do like acting but I just yeah like I say I keep forgetting my lines and corpsing you so see you did the second show where you played the guard and then yeah. what, did you continue on for a, a bit longer to do the theatre uh, stuff? Yeah, no, then there was a weird gap and I had a little bit of a weird time for myself and I didn't know what I was going to do and I did some odd weird jobs, like in offices, temping in offices. <laughs> and I thought, well, I've got to earn some money. And I spent about 18 months doing temp work. Did and the clown run through that well, in a process? Way, in a way, yeah. <laughs> because I went freaking mental yeah. in an office it just didn't suit me I remember one time I was in the post room of British Steel where you get four deliveries a day and you work like hell and the rest of the time you're just sitting around 
and our boss was this drunken Irish man who was really horrible and sexist and drinking all the time and he was yeah. nasty and um, he, I used to wind him up like unintentionally doing stupid things putting things in the wrong box wrong yeah. pigeonhole and he goes, where's that, where's that, Corby, Corby, it's in front of you, and there's a huge pigeonhole, about 100 pigeonholes, different <laughs> steel from all around the country, and Corby, Swansea, Sheffield, blah, 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 <laughs> and he's going, there, Corby, Corby, there in front of you, where, where your finger is, and I was pointing at this box, and I was pointing, and uh, I didn't see the Corby next to it, I was pointing at this box, it had no label on it, and um, <laughs> good there, what does that say, you fucking idiot, what does that say? And I generally didn't see the one next to it, and I just went across the box and I went blank. And he went, "Yeah, fuck it!" And all the other <laughs> workers were laughing, and he chased me round this big long table, like genuinely trying to beat me up. Chased and, you and chased me out, and everyone was sort of laughing, and um, it got it turned into a sort of Marx Brothers sketch. <laughs> Things were different in the days of the pigeonhole, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't get that. Yeah, These you days can't, you can't have that quite that much. It's different with your inbox or yeah, yeah. email. Sent mail. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, wonder what's in there. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking easy. <laughs> <laughs> oh. um, but that was all very boring. And then I went to uh, I really got fed up with that. And then there was this back in the day you could do adult education classes for if you were signing on the dole, you could do them for like about a pound a term. And I discovered this place in London called the City Lit, and it was they had, it did loads of things, but it had a really strong theatre um, selection, mm. and that was amazing. And I went there, and I just looked at it, and I just signed up every single theatrical type yeah. thing I could think of. Not the acting classes, and I remember I applied for the clown class, mm. so I must have had an inkling at that point. I was about 20, yeah. 20 years old, and I applied for the clown, and there was a, a Commedia dell'arte workshop, yeah, right. there was a mime, two-year mime course I signed up for, there was a, a, even a juggling, no, I didn't go for the juggling, and um, there was uh, Japanese theatre, and uh, all every combination <laughs> of class I could get and I ended up for two years more or less being there sort of semi full time I yeah. was going to classes like four or five days a week and um, it became a school it was like a theatre school for yeah. me because I could never get into an acting school rather or anything like that I yeah. just wouldn't have cut it mm-hmm. and so there was no option for someone like me who wanted to go on stage mm-hmm. but didn't really fit into the conventional oh well go to drama school mm-hmm. type thing there was I was going well how do I do it how do I do it and the city lit was like it was, oh, saved my life yeah. when I think back on it now um, it was like god all these classes and then of course you meet all the like minded freaks yeah, yeah. doing as well and I met this guy called Sham who works in Covent Garden now his very old friend and I met a Pee-wee, who you know. Pee-wee Murray? Yeah. Yeah. Pee-wee Murray was there at the same time. Right. Um, uh, oh, I'll tell you who was on my very first clown class at the City Lit. Who you know? Fraser Hooper. No way. Me and him in the same class. This City Lit's got quite a lot to... I mean, this, this got, is high calibre of... Uh, it's got a bit of a heritage. Yeah, yeah. hasn't it? Wow. 
it was uh, yeah, it was a bit of a vintage year that year. Yeah, wow. And um, we had a right laugh, and and that's where it really the street fit side of it really kicked off. Yeah, there at City Lit, and was that sort of all the same time? So like, Pee Wee and and Fraser were getting into it about the same time as yourself. Pretty much, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, they were in the same. Uh, it was a clown summer school. Yeah. So I think it was about three weeks long or something like that. <laughs> and uh, Max Oddball was teaching juggling and uh, Frankie Anderson was teaching clown and someone else was teaching something else. Yeah, and, and we all got into it then. And we were very scruffy and, you know, poor and yeah. so, stuff. Well, well, so nothing's changed there. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite interesting, though, because three, you know, yourself... Fraser and Pee Wee yeah. are all kind of masters of doing kind of as little as possible whilst doing a lot, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. very character uh, as opposed to trick, you yeah. know? Like, it's quite, though, that's three very strong clowns. Yeah, 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 definitely. And all three very different styles. Yes. And, um, but yeah, that was... Um, was Pee Wee always like that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love you, Pee Wee. Yeah. Um, so, what was your first street show then? Was it on your own? Technically, my first first performance on the street was actually a, a like a country fair festival that the clown school took us all out in character, and we had to go and do like sort of walkabout thing. Yeah, which was just us looking like complete cunts, being <laughs> really crap. And then I teamed up with a guy from the clown school called Steve Rose and we did straight out of the clowns thing we did this routine as um, sort of decorators and we had a bucket a ladder a step ladder a sheet big white sheet and a couple of bottles of water and so I cut the plank um, no it was set and I had a we only did two performances but it was very very clown but really we did a cabaret in Kilburn and um, and we kind of really stormed it and it was really unusual and we were improvising it really yeah so that was kind of my first performance it, well, uh, that wasn't street I suppose my first street okay was uh, this guy I was talking about my mate Shan mm-hmm. who works at Common Garden we teamed up uh, at the City Lit and he said, come on, come on, we, come on, we'll, we'll go and do it, we'll do a show, we'll do a juggling show. And he was really driven and, you know, no fear sort of thing, which is good for me, because I was like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So I just went off with him. We hitchhiked from London up to Cambridge, did it, getting it all wrong, leaving too late, getting there at about 10 o'clock at night, not knowing where the festival site was. Gate crashed this... <laughs> festival site managed to sleep in the back of someone's van I slept next to this big smelly dog <laughs> and it was real sort of hippie days yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And, um, and we got out and we did this um, awful show we were actually wearing clown makeup at that stage right like full face yeah I've done it as well was, yeah. that was the uh, completely no idea and um, did this awful show with this stuff oh, I won't go into the details did you have a clown off. name what was your clown name oh I think I used Piotro Piotro yeah oh wow because you know you've got to sound a bit Italian haven't yeah you? 
Groucho Harpo. Not down in New Zealand. I was Wiley the Clown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> hey. Oh, face. I, I miss Wiley. Oh, Wiley. Yeah, bring Wiley and the full back ruffles, the works burger. Really? Yeah. The Piero thing? Yeah. Oh, and man. Patches, you know, the patches on the one-piece outfit. Oh. Some God. sneakers. That sounds dead artistic. Yeah, all I was good at was handstands. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm. yeah. I didn't know you could do handstands. <laughs> yeah, I can't anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the um, early 30s spread. Can I go to the piss? Yeah, yeah. Of course I'll keep, you can. I keep talking. Um, yeah, do you want to take this in to record it? Um, no, that might be undignified. Yeah, right. Well, the fact that uh, where you're standing at the moment, the mirror's right lined up so I can actually see you having a piss. <laughs> That's undignified. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what year was your first street show that was Shan? That would have been... Um... No, I've really got to think. This is a long time ago. Oh, yeah. God. I've... Uh, would have been... 86 right. 1986 that probably that was it yeah and we 20 years old roughly yeah yeah so we we did the painting and I think we gate crashed another festival up in Bath or somewhere or Bristol or something like that we were just like and Cardiff and we um, it was real hippie stuff and <laughs> um and then he said, oh, we can go and work in Covent Garden. And I was still going to the City Lit at this point. Mm-hmm. And then we started doing this awful show in Covent Garden. Right. So that was in 86, the end of 86. So that's when I started working in Covent Garden, I guess. And then we stopped working together in 87. And then we both went solo. And then What did you it. do in your solo show? What was your first Oh, show? you don't want to know that. Yes, I do. I think my first solo show, I did a devil stick and fire torches and a unicycle, small unicycle. Yeah, great. But then I quickly went into a tall giraffe, six-footer. Jesus. Juggling. And I I used to do this chocolate bar routine. What so was that? I used to get a, a kid out and get them to jump up and down on a chocolate bar. But it was about a 15-minute routine, and it was really nice. It was nice. I've not seen this, I don't think. No, no. So what, he just jumps up and down? Well, it, there's lots of bits to it. Yeah, right. Of which we... Uh, if we well, I'm not going to go Put it on here, because then, you know, someone will nick it. Yeah, well, someone did. Did they? Who? Yeah, I mean, like, it was... Do you want to name them, or...? Yeah, we'll fucking name them. Yeah. And, um... <laughs> well, in a minute. Well, this is going to bring Eric back into the story, actually. Oh, great. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, I, 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 I love Eric. I love Eric. He's, he's, but, he's a champion. So this chocolate bar routine was... I completely made it up myself. There was It wasn't sort of, you know, adapted from anyone else. Yeah, so it was very, yeah. very much my thing. And I was in Covent Garden one day and Eric strolls through and I didn't know him at that point. He went, oh yeah, we're three Canadians. Blah, 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 blah. And, um, and... Asshole! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, hey, asshole! 
And he said, what do you do? And I said, oh, I do these inside lads and I get a kid to jump up and down a chocolate bar. And he went, he kind of looked at me funny. He went, what? And I goes, oh, yeah, I just... just went to, you know, he goes, hang on, so you get a kid out to tell me, what do you do? And I go, well, I do this, and then I get him to do that, and then I ask him to question that, and then I get the, then the audience does this and that. And, and he goes, you nicked that. You nicked uh, that from Bob Lazardo. Uh, and I went, who? And I'd never been to Australia or Canada or New Zealand, and... Basically, Bob Lazada was from Australia, was he? He was a Canadian, right. but I think he was been working in Australia doing my chocolate bar routine for two years. Oh! Like, detail for detail, because when I described it to Eric, he was going, no, no, that's, that's exactly Bob's routine. And he actually didn't believe me, and the thing that hurt me just as much as yep. someone stealing my routine was that- the fact that he was calling me yep. a thief. Yeah, and and you know, sort of adding insult to injury, and it was not, I was really upset, and then uh, it came back like I think about a year later, I was booked for Christchurch. Yeah, and I think this was with Hoople. Yeah, we were going to Christchurch, and um, Bob Lazardo was booked for Christchurch, no. and he found out like a couple of weeks before the festival that I was going to be there oh and he shat himself (laughs) and cobbled together this completely new show uh, of nothing to oh so that was actually his whole show as well yeah well I don't know what else he did but that was yeah that was the main part no and so he went oh fuck and then he went to Christchurch with this kitchen sink thing and Jodie wasn't very happy with him because it wasn't together and it wasn't what she booked and then the story came out no. and he was like it was in his face and I knew but I didn't say anything egg on his chocolate bar on his face and he had egg and chocolate bar on his face so he had a bit of a comeuppance I suppose did you have a chat with him? yeah I had a chat with him in Wellington and um, and, and I mean what can I do I mean I wasn't going to you know punch him in the face or anything mm. and he kind of went oh yeah 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 yeah." and at that stage I just kind of went well you know he's done he's done yeah so um, that was it really what can you do I couldn't get any um, royalties out of him yeah I had a similar thing when I first went to England with the rubber bands thinking I've created this oh, yeah. original which as far as, far as I know mm. I, it was and then um Got called the Les Bub uh, yeah. copycat. Yeah. And I was like, who the fuck's Les Bub? Yeah. And then, of course, at yeah. which stage, Amy Saunders and a, f- a few other people informed me that Les Bub, <laughs> amazing. And then years later, I waited until I met him. Yeah. And then I watched the video. Yeah. And saw the video and was like, I can't believe they think I'm copying him. No, it's bloody amazing. I know, it's completely different. And you didn't steal anything, it was just a coincidence. Yeah. I mean, what happened with me was Tom Comet and Bob Lazardo were passing through Covent Garden on a fact-finding mission. They watched me doing a show, got out their notebooks, and Tom said to Bob, hey, yeah, you can do... That's a great routine. Let's nick it. And literally flew back from London back to Australia and took the whole routine that's shocking 
Diggs that cynical it was like totally like we're going to steal this routine have you always um, uh, you know this is a uh, valid like for me it's always been try and come up with stuff that like I the idea of stealing from someone yeah. is like I'd rather go without a show than, yeah. than do that obviously there's certain things that pop up here and there but yeah. you know the yeah. majority the crux yeah. has to has to definitely be your own yeah um, have you always been like that like you know yeah, obviously I the have. chocolate bar routine and I've, I have and it's all kind of it's partly out of insecurity because I just feel like I'm not massively confident I don't think as a person but I just feel too insecure to actually do someone else's stuff because I yeah. just feel really Shameful and guilty about it. Rotten, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'd hate to go in front of an audience going, oh, God, they know I'm doing someone else's routine. So that's that... I have the same feeling. It's that feeling of they'll catch... Yeah. You know? Yeah. Of which walking around with that in the back of your mind... Yeah. When you could take the other option of walk around proud as punch. Yeah, that's right. And it's like... And most of the enjoyment I get... From performing is is like discovering stuff. Yeah, and then it's like this. Oh yeah, I found something, and it's. Mm. But um, you know, it's, it's also going back to what I said before about having a bad memory. I mean, I can't remember half the stuff I've done. Yeah, and I, I do sort of improvise a lot. Yeah, and I like being present and. Well, it forces you to have to be present. Yeah. Right? You have to be engaged with your audience yeah. and where the hell you're trying to yeah. get to. Yeah. And it, was, um, it was always like that. It was like that. And it was like that with Hoople as well, which is the brilliant thing about it. We were always improvising. Even when we were doing a set show, mm. at any point we'd be doing even tiny little things yeah. that audiences might not even pick up on. But it was always on an improvised energy, yeah. if not you know, technically improvised. And I think that it's the thing of the audience feels that in yeah. comparison, especially when you're in a lineup show, yeah. of like slick, you know, juggledy guy comes out and does all the bits and he's got all the lines and the same bits and blah de blah and then you guys would come out and just blow it out of the water because not only did we not know what Hundred percent, or had no idea what you were going to do, but you guys, you, you could fit. It was like you could cut the tension because you two would just look at each other, and you'd be like, "Yeah, even that they're, they're making it up, and it's hilarious, you know." Yeah, yeah, definitely. It inspired definitely, me. Definitely, definitely. He was um, um, is amazing to work with. Just brilliant and. We had a real... It was a delight. It was such a laugh. It was a laugh. Yeah. I'm not going to get poncy about it. It was the best laugh. You'd go out on stage every night and have a laugh. Yeah. It was brilliant. And really, yeah. <laughs> Accident. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was that... that was, did you only do that in New Zealand? No, did that all over the world. Yeah. Did it in several languages. <laughs> Ein Unfall. Ein <laughs> Unkluch. And, uh, yeah, various other versions. Un incidente. 
Rigidente. Un incidente. Oh, in, in Spanish, yeah? Yeah. yeah. Italian, actually. Is it Italian? It's probably my pronunciation. Oh, no, it's, they all sound the same to me. Yeah, me too. Um, I remember, I don't know, do you, maybe you can, it's better if you tell the story, but the instant Kiwi at number five Cable Street, uh, uh, it was up Hoople Creek, like maybe 2000 and... Oh, yeah, 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 2002, I think maybe that was. Do you remember the the moment? You mean the scratch card? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Did, was that a bit, or was that something you... It looked to me like you'd thrown it, and that, like you'd had an idea to have it, or was that in the show every time? Well, it was a bit of both, because... No, we put it in... I think, I can't remember how many nights we did there, was it three or five nights or something like that. I think we did five, so... Five. Yeah, I think we're on the same run. Quite yeah. a short run, yeah. yeah. So we did five nights. That was in every night. And, um, yeah. <laughs> Funnily enough, actually, coming back to New Zealand being our spiritual land, because, like I said, we made all our shows in New Zealand, that actual routine started off when we had this horrible, horrible gig when we first came to New Zealand... At um, an AMP show or something. Oh, it was in a shopping mall. <laughs> and oh god, we've come right back full circle. We? <laughs> <laughs> it was in, We're uh, in a shopping mall in Dubai at the moment. Yeah, God. It was um what's that town in the North Island with the big famous volcano? Uh in the North Island. Uh, Rotorua? Taupo? Yeah, no, yeah, it's near there. Oh New Plymouth? No, Mangawanga or something. Um, oh, what's... See, I'm a South Island guy. I, oh, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I've never got the visa sorted to go to the North Island. Yeah, no, yeah. you don't... Uh, There's you, no need to. You don't have to. It's no, a horrible part of the country. Bother. Yeah. No, uh, it, it's, it's... moved five metres closer, though. Yeah, that, yeah, they have. They've, yeah, that's about as close as you want to go. They'll though. join up. Yeah. yeah, you've gone far enough. They'll join up and then it'll be just like the orcs coming across and yeah. all us little hobbits in the South Island. Oh, it'd be terrible. Oh, it's going to be bloodshed. Yeah. Mm. Uh, uh, those orcs won't stand the charge. But um, I'll think of the name in a bit. It's called Manga Wanga or something. Manga. Oh. It sounds like that. Yeah. That's Mount, Mount Mangawanga? Yes. Well, there's Mount Egmont and then Mount Taranaki. Taranaki! Mangawanga, Taranaki. Ta- Mangawanga, Taranaki. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. That's it. It was Taranaki. It was a Taranaki wacky, wacky, wacky or something. Anyway, it was a horrible sh- uh, shopping mall in Taranaki. Yeah. And then we hated it and we were like stuck there with nothing, no prospects of doing a show really so we had to do our set times and so we'd go out three times a day and just go oh god and just improvise between the two of us and there yeah. was this stall next to where we were playing I mean right, what should we do now I know let's buy a scratch card then we can win a thousand dollars and get out of town <laughs> so we went into the you know, went into the thing, bought the scratch card, came out back in front of an audience, if we had an audience, I can't even remember having an audience, <laughs> shouting to confuse passers-by, and then did the scratch card, yeah, 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 oh, great, 
we can get out, it'd be great, we'd win a thousand dollars and get out of this crap hole. Well, I don't think we swore. And then we'd never win. And we'd go, oh, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> but, and that, that came from Taranaki. And then yeah. when we were doing that show in Cable Street, we uh, did it in front of an audience of 200 people or whatever it was. Yeah. Oh, it was so good. You left no stone unturned of things to be insulted as you went up those stairs. Do you remember? There was the stairs well, and a door. <clears throat> yeah. It was kind of like, okay, this is going to be a little bit offensive, so let's just go the whole way. Yeah. And um, that was a kind of a weird show, that last show, because I think we were uh, on our last... If we didn't know at the time, but that was kind of like the end of Hoople around mm-hmm. shortly after that. And I think we were both a bit tired and emotional at that time yeah, right. for various reasons. So the whole show became very anarchic and cynical even. I think it was even a little bit cynical and probably a bit self-indulgent as well, adventure. But, yeah, we just let it all out. <laughs> and um, we were getting... St- strife and stress from the this twat stage manager and he was horrible and we weren't getting anything for it and being it was just that everything was rubbish yeah. and um, so we just let it all out in in that bit but the beauty of it and the the, the craft of you two you and Chris was to have that moment of you hand it over oh oh you need three not two yeah and then as you came back down the stairs <clears throat> kind of take back oh, all, yeah, all of it. the insults we we dug as big a hole for ourselves as possible yeah. that we knew we had to come back on stage to yeah. so we literally burnt all our bridges so we'd get the scratch card <laughs> and go Chris Chris I've done it we've won ten thousand dollars <laughs> and brilliant ten thousand to really yeah look look ten thousand dollars Oh great! That means we can get out of this shithole. <laughs> yeah, we don't have to put up with any of this crap anymore. Yeah, that fucking <laughs> festival director, what's her name? Yeah, all her bullshit. We don't need any of that anymore. No, and the fucking stage manager, what a wanker! <laughs> Fuck them all. God, this shitty town, this shitty theatre, with a fucking can't be bothered to do any building work on it and it drips in the fucking shitty smelly dressing room all that crap yeah fucking and this audience yeah a bunch of cunts all looking at us like they're fucking dead we had to do three nights we put up with this shit not anymore I can't remember what we did we just went through the whole no, thing no that was like, actually nearly it I just went right on yeah and then we'd walk up these stairs going yeah Fuck you all! We're out of here! We're getting the next plane out of here! Yeah, fuck off! And then we just get to the exit at the top of the stairs, and then Chris would go, uh, Pete, and what, what, what? Come on, let's go! And go, uh, I think it's, you have to, you have to get three. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you've only got two. Oh, you need three. Yeah. Oh, and then we didn't say anything else. We just took a deep breath, turned around, walked back down the stairs. 
really stunning face on the stage went well now let's go and we just carried on yeah. and it was something like that I can't yeah. remember it clearly but it was like the audience isn't so bad <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that's it that's it you know they're quite nice <laughs> that's it yeah because yeah. uh, you, you actually I think on the last night you actually trashed your canoe yeah because you're in the canoe at that stage aren't you? yeah and you'd trash the canoe and you're trying to stick it back to <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just totally mangled the whole set. Oh, yeah. God. Oh, so good. I, I think there's a video of that somewhere. Yeah, right. I can't remember half of it, honestly. Yeah. A VHS. Oh, yeah, that was it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got one VHS promo video. I think. Oh, I'd like to was, see that. Yeah. There's no way of playing it. I don't think the machine exists anymore. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I have to go to the museum. Oh, it's probably all for the best. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, we, so th- these days you're doing the plate spinning, but you weren't always doing plate spinning, were you? Nah. When, when the plate spinning came out? Oh, I just it was just, it's just an excuse to be on stage. I, wouldn't, I, I feel very sheepish about even describing it as plate spinning really it's probably sheepish to call yourself a plate spinner because yeah and all of the plate spinning shows I've ever seen I've never seen a plate spinner run into his plate spinning <laughs> <laughs> that's a first I, uh, and the fact that I was on stage to be able to see it up close <laughs> I think it but it's it, I mean that's like the clown plate spinning of course he's going to pull the crowd were blowing away. They're yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were kind of, well, they were stuns, weren't they? Yeah. And the silence. Oh. Stunned in the silence all the way through the show. <laughs> <laughs> when did you first do the hat? Because that's, that's like... Yeah. That's... That's quite... Um, yeah, that's a bit of a... You talk about a signature thing, I suppose. Yeah. That's a bit of a signature thing, I guess. Yeah. I just did that. I, which, again, like we were talking about improvising stuff. I was really cold in Covent Garden one horrible winter doing the streets there. I bought this big hat to keep me warm. And then we were hanging around beside the pitch and, you know, fighting around with your mates like you do. Yeah. And I went, oh, look, guys, look, what do you think of this? And I just did it. And then doing, and they all started laughing. And like, That's great. <laughs> and then that little twinkle that we have in our brain yeah, that goes yeah. ooh ooh that, that got a good reaction ooh yeah. I could use that so that's it I reckon I saw you do that at the Ducks Deluxe on the Duck stage yeah where that routine lasted for I felt like two or three <laughs> minutes <laughs> it, it peaked so it's like a how would you explain like a Cossack yeah sort of hat Russian sort yeah. of Russian hat yeah furry the bits that go down over your ears and then yeah ties it underneath his chin and then yeah. basically tries to blow a vein in his forehead yeah <laughs> yeah to undo it yeah it actually made me think when I saw you do that the other day and it's like here's me at the end of my show trying to get rubber bands off me yeah you know it's nearly it's a similar thing it's yeah, a similar yeah. thing <laughs> the veins bursting yeah actually tomorrow and when we do the one together when I go to get the rubber bands off, you put the hat on. 
Oh, what we do? Do simultaneous vein split. <laughs> yeah. So you can have an aneurysm first. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. Lovely. And then we can look like the audience. Yeah. Just silent. We could try and beat them with silence tomorrow. Yeah. Should we and silence stillness? Them out? Yeah. Beat them with silence and stillness. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think they'd win. Yeah. If Stuart Avery's listened to this, it is a fantastic Fantastic. Well, yeah. the chance to be able to sit in a hotel room at polar temperatures <laughs> uh, with Pete nestled under two duvets <laughs> and me in shorts freezing my ass off. I like that. I like that it's comfortable when it's cold outside and you're all nice and snug. That's why I have the air conditioning on. Yeah. You should have brought your duvet. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, if I'd known, I mean, what have you got that set to? Negative. That's only like 19 or 20 or something. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, outside, just sort of broaching 30. Yeah. Yeah. I put little videos on to watch, like, icy mountains. Yeah. Makes me feel yeah, cool. just, yeah, and that's on all the channels in Dubai. <laughs> <laughs> icy mountain channel. Yeah. The winter channel. Yeah. Okay, I'll finish off with two questions. Oh. Your biggest influence, favourite performer? That is impossible to yep. answer. Are we talking about street or of all time, like Laurel and Hardy or what? Yeah, the thing that inspired you. I mean, everything inspires me. And I couldn't pick on one comedian or clown because there are so many that have influenced me. If I had to choose one, it would be uh, Laurel and Hardy. Would have to be the gods of all time. As something truly magical. Again, it's a double act thing. Perhaps it's a double act thing, mm-hmm. but just the most beautiful clown I think I've ever seen. Oh, I know that I have ever seen. Um, but they're loads, and I, I I I could stream off loads and loads and loads and loads. But I. I think there might be two questions in that question because of all time you know Laurel and Hardy Frankie Howard Tommy Cooper Buster Keaton they yeah. go on and on Spike Milligan the other blah, blah. but um, Street one of the most inspired and inspiring people I've ever seen and I can probably say this hand on heart without a doubt there's a guy called Dr Stewart yeah right who um, uh, Covent Garden yeah. Covent Garden back in the 80s who did a you could call it a dance show but it wasn't like break dancing it was more of a mime show with his boogie box and miming along to songs and doing slow motion before anyone else did it and the comic mime Routines to music that's not doing him any justice at all. He was about eight feet tall, yeah. And the sheer size of him was the amazing. size of him, the most brilliant comic persona, beautiful movement, and the most inventive, creative person. And I could have watched him every single day, all day, yeah. never failed to inspire me, even. That we remember him at Ural 
festival, this festival in Holland, and I walked past him on the street, and he was doing a show to a tree, <laughs> and it was genius. <laughs> no one watching him. I just walked, happened to walk past, and I said, "Oh no, there's Stuart there. What's he doing?" And I got closer, and he was performing to a tree. Yeah, correct. And it was fucking brilliant. He wouldn't. He's not one of these. Oh, I gotta get a big crowd, man. I gotta yeah. get a big crowd. He'd do amazing shows to three people mm. and it didn't matter it was all about the performance mm-hmm. and that's always stayed with me I don't always remember it unfortunately but most of the time I'll cast a thought to Dr Stewart and go mm-hmm. that's the way to perform yep. full 100% heart and soul yep. and yeah so without a doubt Dr Stewart Dr Stewart wasn't at Covent Garden by the time I started travelling but Amy and her, one of her shows, I think it was called The Crack in Edinburgh. Oh, yeah. Brought him back after he'd been sick and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. And um, so I got to watch him on stage. Oh, yeah. And Amy was like, oh, Shay, this guy is, you know, this is the cream of the crop, you know. Yeah. And got to see him at Edinburgh. And that was a feel fortunate to um, got uh, a chance yeah. to even hang out with him as well. Such a kind heart and yeah. lo- lovely, lovely man. Genuinely beautiful person. Mm. Yeah, it's a shame that he got ill and he ain't performing much nowadays. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. Well, Pete, I've really enjoyed uh, having a chat with you and... Likewise. Yesterday, doing a show with you and I think we're going to do a couple tomorrow yeah. for the sake of why the hell not. Yeah, it's been special. Yeah, it's been lovely. It's been all right. I, I mean, mean I'm got... saying that to you, what, you're sitting under your duvet <laughs> <laughs> with your socks and pants on... We got to work together. That was worth that was it in itself yeah. for me. Got to hang out with Checker. Oh. Got to hang out with Great Dave. Yeah. Got to hang out with um, Bob. Bob. Yeah, Bob at large. Yeah. Brand. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> all of them. All of them. Yeah, yeah we, could be, they, we can't name the them. The list is too long. Yeah, there's fifty of them, and um, yeah, can't we're supposed to them. Trying to keep this to under an hour, and it's already an hour ten. All oh, right. So, um... Okay, I'll let you wrap up. Go on, then. Should I wrap it up? Yeah. Like, and... The, like me not talking over you anymore. It'd be better if you wrapped it up, Pete. Oh, no, you're better at wrapping it up. <sighs> See, that's from where I'm... Sitting. I'll just say, it's finished. Bye. I'll, that's a crap. I'll do something like that. See, it's not good. You've, you've, you've got more pizzazz. If you'd stop talking, then... <laughs> actually, great. <laughs> No, I'll let you wrap See, it up. See, I couldn't even do that properly. See, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, right. You haven't got the confidence to finish. Uh, yeah, no. Conviction. Sorry. I haven't got the conviction to finish. Yeah. Right, that's it. It's finished. Stories from the Pitch is produced by the Busker Hall of Fame and is made possible through the efforts of a dedicated team who share a passion for the recording, editing, and presenting of these interviews. This episode was proudly sponsored by Dolphin Creative a company dedicated to supporting street theatre and all of the incredible characters who make up this world. Wherever you perform, Dolphin Creative salutes you. For more information, please visit dolphincreative.org. And huge thanks to Stuart and his team for sponsoring this episode. If you'd like to support what we're doing, please do consider swinging by the Busker Hall of Fame website and throwing a little love into our online hat by clicking on the donate button. Or become a sustaining supporter of this project at patreon.com slash buskerstories. For as little as a dollar a month, you can help us grow this resource and generate more content. So thanks in advance for supporting this project and helping us keep busking history alive. 
Music for this podcast came from 357 Lover. Links to both songs are available in the notes section of this episode on the Busker Hall of Fame website. You can subscribe to this podcast in iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Simply go to your favorite app, type in Stories from the Pitch, and download away. If you're accessing this content via iTunes, we'd love it if you could take a moment to leave us a review and give us a five-star rating. It'll take just a minute or two, and it means the world to our production team. Got a story to tell? Something you think we could improve? A performer you'd like us to interview? Or perhaps you're interested in becoming a sponsor of an upcoming episode? If so, drop me a line at cbg at buskerhalloffame.com. Haven't gotten enough Buskerhoff content yet? Well, then check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash buskerhalloffame. Follow us on Twitter, SoundCloud, and YouTube, or sign up for our newsletter. Links to all of these can be found on the Busker Hall of Fame website on the right-hand side of the page. This episode discusses material theft in a really direct way, so I wanted to wrap things up with a really beautiful moment from the interview in which Pete sums up the courage and vulnerability the clown uses to create original material. The great thing about clown is you use your faults, your Mm. bad habits, your insecurities all the stuff you're shit at, that's what you sell. Yeah. Rather than, you know, the other way around, selling your really good points. And, um, yeah, that's what it's all about. On behalf of myself, story editor Magic Brian, Shay Hooray, who captured this interview, and the rest of the staff of the Busker Hall of Fame, we hope this finds you well. And as you perform for audiences around the world, please remember to use your superpowers for good. I'm David Aiken, the Checkerboard Guy. Thanks for listening. Your 